Due to the graphic nature of this program, discretion is advised. Welcome to Art Star Scene Radio. This is Lucas Tiamore. And I'm Rachel. Um, Francis is out of the studio taking care of his mom this week, um, but we do have a couple of guests coming in. So we're very excited to do that. We're today we're going to be talking about, um, you know, alt right reform and people who, um, people who, you know, were previously in alt right groups but um, left. Both of the guests um, had been in the Proud Boys, um, you know, from its inception um, when the Proud Boys was a very different group, and then you know, things sort of went downhill with them. Yeah, we miss you, Francis. You are so loved, and we're we're thinking about you and your mama coming home. Um, but I'm so excited for our show today. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so do you want to talk about um? Do you want to talk about our mushroom trip until they get here? Sure, we can talk about <laughs> mushrooms until they get here, and then we're gonna we're gonna swiftly change gears. It's not it's not about all right, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, Rachel and I did like, it was a very small dose, like micro, a micro dose of, um, mushrooms this week. And I, Rachel has, have you, have you done mushrooms before? Um, so I did it one time before and it was a scary experience. Um, Yeah. But this, this time was not scary. I think it definitely, you know, being in a safe space makes it like really, it's, it's a really important part of mushrooms. Um, you know, we did recently do like, um, do you mind me saying we did we did do some like ecstasy at a bar, and that was proved to be like not a safe space for us, and we I don't think we would do that again. I I would definitely not do that again. Yeah, no. like at home with like you know we're we're poly, so we have you know multiple partners at home with with the partners. It's it can be very fun, except for that one time I I upset you and you went into the closet. But I think that stuff was that stuff was the problem with that stuff is um our other friends tried it too and they said it was just very speedy, and for some reason speedy speedy stuff made you go into the closet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely being in a safe space is the thing that really helped me with the mushrooms doing it doing at a club doing at a bar that was very scary for me yeah yeah but i'm I'm still really reeling from this mushroom trip do you want to talk a little bit about that i i learned a lot about myself um and you know it's amazing but it's also kind of scary to learn about yourself definitely yeah what do you want to talk a little more about what you learned yeah i mean Lucas and I both have dissociative identity disorder. You know, we've, we've talked about this before. So for those of you who are just tuning in, it means you have multiple people who live inside one body. Um, it's a very creative way to survive for folks who've experienced a lot of trauma early in life. Um, so on Mushrooms, I met new people who I did not know lived inside me. <laughs> that was really wild. <laughs> they were a little wild. Um, yeah. Hold on. You keep talking. And I was, I was kind of just watching this person who's, who's not me. Um, it's an incredible experience, but also, also kind of terrifying to learn about yourself. Um, but I, I feel stronger. I feel a lot stronger after that. Um, 
you know, I don't think it's so different than anyone who learns about like different different parts of their of their mind um, when it's expanded by by a drug like that. It just um, for folks with DID, it feels like an entirely different individual. Yeah. With different memories, different ways of interacting in the world. Um, yeah, it feels very separate. And you feel you you were feeling like um, also like maybe the mushrooms sort of opened your third eye a little bit, like and you're it, having more like visions a little bit. Oh yeah, which is not necessarily a part of DID, but a lot of people with DID do also have sort of. Um, there's some overlap, I think, with DID. Like I'm also diagnosed with schizophrenia and DID, but I think there's a lot of overlap um, for even people who are not diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yeah, and. You know, folks with DID are often misdiagnosed for many years. I think I was misdiagnosed for about 12 years. Yeah. Before someone figured out what was going on. Yeah, a lot of times um, it's just. Or our guests are arriving. Our guests are arriving. That's my pause right now. I brought some friends along. All right. I'm so excited. Hi. Hi, Hey. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, let me make sure all three are up. <clears throat> I hope you didn't play Shake It Off. We, 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 have we, not, are, we are not playing Shake It Off anymore. Well, actually, Francis does not want to um, does not want to retire Shake It Off, but I really want to retire Shake It Off. Okay. Because I think that I've had enough Shake It Off, and I'm going to go crazy if I hear that song again. <laughs> Francis plays Taylor Swift once a week, every week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um... Then we went to a Taylor Swift dance party to appease our friend, and, and, okay. and now now I'm I can't do it anymore. Shake it, okay. I can't right. do it You're anymore. Done. Taylor Swift, I'm done. <laughs> um, so with us in the studio is Dante Nero, yeah. and um, and David Austin. Um, you have to use my full name again. Oh, sorry, David. No, you do realize that like we're dealing with like crazy alt right groups, <laughs> and if they've got my full name, if they okay. got my government, uh, they can you know these people will hurt you if they can track you down i'm sorry david i, for, I mean I you know you if you that. watched the uh, january 6 hearings there's a reason that uh that guy who testified against the uh stuart rhodes the oath keepers um his name's uh, jason van van uh, townhove there's a reason that man is scared for his life while he is testifying yeah i i, I do have to say i'm pretty i'm pretty scared today y'all i'm very very excited to hear what you have to say um and personally, I'm also like I will admit that there is fear with the with the excitement. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting. I was just having a conversation with somebody, and um, so I I I grew up in uh, Crown Heights, Brooklyn. It's a pretty rough dude. I ran the streets and all. This. One thing I learned about uh, about uh, all of the the fear that people have that are not uh, having experience violence or or per, pervade of violence is they they're they're afraid of the violence but the reality is 97 percent of the oath keepers and the proud boys are pussies it's three percent of them two to three percent of them that are that are actually might be violent and most of them are probably sociopathic there's a there's a movement of when there's a, a you know there's that mob mentality um what's interesting is i was just talking about the, the january 6th thing uh if if Capitol Police had 
uh, say they had shot out of out of protection, had shot four or five people. Ninety seven, I believe, ninety percent of the, the insurgents would have ran the other way. Yeah. Um. And so, and what you notice too is the, the young lady that got shot from climbing in the window. Nobody breached that area once somebody got shot in the neck. And and so, and and I don't mean that about Oath Keepers and Proud Boys and those people specifically, but in general, 97% of people are pussies, haven't been punched in the face, and don't want to smoke, and ain't going to do shit. And so, but the, 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 the point is that if you haven't lived in that, in, in the context of that life, everybody's like, oh, they're, they're going to do this. Nobody don't do shit. Most of the time, nobody does shit. So, um, it, it's, uh, and I'm not saying that there are not people that won't purvey violence and stuff like that, but I'm saying this idea of the fact that a group of thousands of people that everybody's game is, is just, is just bullshit. It's all bullshit. A lot of people get swept up. A lot of people are because of the mob mentality. I mean, that's what happened. So, I mean, you had, you had 40 year old men at the, at January 6th who literally had heart attacks from trying to climb up the stairs. So we're really talking about a whole lot of horse shit that uh, people got swept up in. And don't get me wrong. I think there was a racial, racial element and I think they were organized people and they were, you know, you, you see the Oath Keepers and these guys stacked up. If, but I mean, it was four, four dudes in, 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 in flax jackets and stuff. And, uh, and really, um, if they had treated those people like they would have treated if black people were running up into the Capitol, then you would have had none of this. Yeah. As soon as they hit the hit the Capitol building, if if even if they had popped some shots in the air, even if they had gotten shot with rubber bullets, it, I don't even think the insurrection would have happened. My experience with nine times out of ten, when uh, you know when violence is at at uh, you know is on the docket, ninety seven percent of the people don't want no smoke. And that's just in general. Yeah. And after growing up in a place like Crown Heights, you, you see like black people get shot at all the time. Right? Like, and it's not, and it, even not, even in, you know, people, even the rough neighborhood, I mean, I grew up in, in Crown Heights in the eighties. It, the, you know, the, the perception is that this is a crime ridden thing. Most people just went to work every day. Totally. They went to work every day. They raised their kids. They picked their kids up from school. And there was a small contingency of people who maybe sold drugs who sold drugs and, and, and pervade violence, but most of the motherfuckers didn't want no smoke at all. At all so yeah. the perception of you don't live that life is that all oh, these man, fuck you. So even the, the, the concern that you're worried about talking about this, uh, I mean, this is not even important enough to do that. You know what I mean? Um, they, you know, they didn't even get pence. So like, <laughs> and that was the guy. So trust me, they, they're not worried about us on on at, at free radio. You know? yeah. <laughs> they, 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 yeah. just, <laughs> and if they all fuck them, like I'm always like, come see me. You know, even when I, re- I removed myself from the Proud Boys, it was like, I don't, fuck you. <laughs> like you got to bring something to get some, and you got you may not take back what you get. And maybe I'm riling people up, but I'm still okay with that. You 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 still got to bring it to to get it. So did they threaten you at all when you? No, left? in fact. Uh, a lot of them, when I, when I, as I removed myself from the Proud Boys, I, I'll, I'll give you the whole background. If you want to check something, you can check out This American Life. This American Life yeah, was the thing that. where they, they interviewed me. Um, uh, 
basically it was uh I I'm a relationship I do a relationship podcast. Yep. And my point was I, I, I met Gavin McGinnis and you basically had a bunch of uh white dudes who couldn't get laid, incel dudes who couldn't get laid, was living in there. And 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 the reality of the 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 the, the consideration of race is in 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 the eighties and the nineties, even in two thousand. If you're a white dude and you're twenty six years old, at some you you know maybe you wanted to be in a rock band, you wanted to do this, and at some point in time that didn't work out, so you took a test to become a police officer or a garbage man, or you became a parks department dude, and you had a job, and then you moved out of your house, you you met somebody, you got married, you lived in a sexless marriage, <laughs> sexless marriage, yeah, and you moved on. And what happened was the one percent of the rich had, had has been scooping from the bottom of the sandcastle so long that. White dudes who normally had this path to, quote unquote, the American dream no longer had the, the American dream the same way it wasn't that those opportunities weren't there for black people. And then they were disenfranchised. They couldn't get laid. And they were living in their mother's basement. And some of them had college educations and couldn't. And they felt and they were f- afraid of women because they were afraid of the socialization that it takes to be rejected by women. And so they were playing video games, watching porn and because they were a bunch of clowns in the first place, they all had knew how to make a website and they created a website where it became a safe haven where all these guys could, could compete. And, and as I was doing Gavin McGinnis' show, I watched this thing evolve into it. It was just a joke yeah. initially. Then it was because, I mean, the, the, the song Proud of Your Boy, it's an Aladdin, like, you know, the second, second, Degree was punching you while you you did breakfast cereals. Third degree was a tattoo. So, but what happened was it gave a lot of people, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, white dudes who felt as though they were disenfranchised. And this is what happens when equality happens. When equality happens, if you have a privilege, then equality feels like disenfranchisement. Feels like uh, reverse racism. But you just. And then the idea that they could take women that they had a that they had a um they literally had a right to women to to having a woman without having the skills and stuff and so when I, I that was my that was my intention my intention was to teach guys how to be confident how to be righteous um my podcast is Man School Two Hundred Two the principles of the podcast is ACE it's authenticity credibility and empathy. So one of the most, three of the most valuable principles anybody would ever have. And there's nothing that women don't find more attractive than a guy who tells the truth, shows up when he says he's supposed to show up and has the ability to be empathetic to what her particular situation is. And that was what I teach. The problem was they removed the empathy. Yeah, that's the most important part. And and uh, and 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 then they they were a lot of them were uneducated about what they were talking about. They had no idea about American history. They had no idea of the the, the history of uh, of of slave trade in this country and everything else. And they and they felt a level of entitlement because for so many years they were entitled. And the economy switched where where there's no more middle class. Yeah. You don't have access to the to the to the to the um to the American dream and then they felt disenfranchised and this gave a place for them to have that grievance and be with other people who had grievance. 
And that's how it spiraled out. Then it was chapters and this. I, uh, they had a Facebook magazine. I went on the Facebook. Somebody told me about them. And then there was all this racial stuff. And I was like, I even spoke to Gavin about the racial cartoons and stuff like that. But that's what white dudes do when they're by themselves. That's what they do in general. It's, this is funny because you don't understand the depth and the, the, the depth of the history of this country. So it's funny. It's funny to do a, 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 a to, to do old Bugs Bunny cartoons with the liberal lips or the black crows and Bugs Bunny and stuff. That's what they do for a lack of it. And, and I spoke about it to, to Gavin McGinnis's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't lie. So Gavin McGinnis put out a letter, said anybody who does the racial stuff, they're going to, but, but Gavin was perpetuating the racial stuff on the show when I wasn't there. And so it just grew and it grew and it got out of hand. And Gavin was like, you know, Gavin, Gavin is an anarchist. He was in a punk band. You say yes. He says, no, you say red. He says blue. He was just, that was the type of guy. Yeah. But it was a joke of something that blew out of proportion. And then when it became a white, get classified as a white supremacist group, then Gavin started creating distance. And then, but once it was already off the rim, it was already off the runway so it, it was it was all racist. And this and this is a this is people, you know, I don't know. You know, you hear you watch the news and you hear people go, is, you know, is this the country want to be? This is the country we were. We, we're talking about the founding fathers who all owned slaves while they were talking about everybody being created equal. Women didn't have a right to own property. So these scumbags that we call our founding fathers, that we we revel in this mythological kind of 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 superhero were people who raped women and then raped their children and enslaved their children. That is the history of this country. So when we go, this is not who the country was. It's it's you just you just don't know the history. It's not it's not only the history, but it's it's still happening. Still happening. It's still happening. Absolutely. To, to this day. Um, just to be clear, when I said I'm scared. Um, not I have absolutely no fear. Right, right. No fear towards you. I'm actually not someone who's afraid of violence. Um, I grew up inside of a human trafficking. Ring, okay. So there's a lot of similarities, yeah. I think. Yeah, my, yeah. My fear is about uh talking about the government, talking about oh, okay. police, folks like that. But yeah, a lot of what you're saying feels feels very familiar to this, yeah. the slavery that I know. Yeah, it is. It's 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 absurd. I mean, when you. You know, when you, when, when probably were talking, you know, when I remember them talking about the denigration of the housewife, it's like, you don't know. There was a time in this country where you could, you could, you couldn't rape your wife, was taking sex for, from her was just, and you could beat your woman with a stick no thicker than your thumb. That was in, codified in law. So what are we, you know, it, it's just the absurdness of this and conversation. And still to this day, like, there's just so little support for women who do speak out about their husbands, you know? Yeah. The, like, the, the running party line is just that we're, that we're crazy. That we're crazy. Yeah. But let's keep in mind, 52% of white women put Trump in office. Yeah. So do you, you understand? So there's a, oh, there's white a, women are definitely like at fault. In, well, like, there's in, a, in their, there is a, yeah. a programming that innately has been going on since the inception of this country, uh, this country where people, Fall in line with the same thing that they fall. They, they, you know, we're talking about Roe v. versus Wade. 
White women put Trump in office so that Trump could put Supreme Court justice in office yeah. so that your rights could be taken Take it away. Yep. So at what point do we have to say, hey, like what what is that? Yeah. yeah you know, major, I think white women try disconnect. to play the victim a lot, but they they're actually have, you know, like a, a very like they're in the front lines of sort of what's going on in this nation. And and a lot of violence against women is perpetuated by by women. At by least other women. In terms yeah. of the, Absolutely. the sex trade, the weapons trade, a lot of that is a lot of girls women. who do get trafficked get get taken in like I got trafficked from my husband, but a lot of girls who do get trafficked get taken in from a female. Another female brings them oh, into, yeah. It, it's, listen, I, I've, I've been in that business. I, I was actually a pimp for six years. I'm, it's not something I'm proud of, but it's not something I lie about. It was, uh, the, even pimps don't decide to be pimps. Yeah. Women codify your pimpness. And they bring you into it because as a man, you could never in a million years think that this, that a woman would sell her body and give you the money for it until a woman says, I would do this for you. And you go, you would do what? Or you would sell your body and give me the money. You'd be like, in your mind, you're literally like, why, why would you really? Yeah. (laughs) And then it's done. And then you're going, oh, okay. This is an opportunity that I didn't even know was. So it, it's, it's, um, you know, all of this is so codified by, uh, the programming, the, the lack of, uh, self-esteem that women don't have because of the program has always been women have been property and, 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 uh, and the fact that, um, white males, young white males have been taught that they're better. I have guys who I intellectually can, excuse the term, but can't hold my dick on a slow Tuesday, not historically, not intellectually, but they, but they think that their whiteness instantly makes them better. Yeah. I've been on podcasts where I've had, dude, I had dudes say to me, how do you know that? And I go, I read a book just like you. I mean, but the, 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 I'm, I'm a comic. I'm on stage. I've come off and I've had white women say to me, wow, you're so articulate. What they're saying is, Oh, I I can't believe you would be read a book and have a big black dick. Like, how do you do both? You know what I mean? So, yeah. so the absurdness of this and the fact that there's no honesty, and and that's that's you know that's why I always you know my podcast I'm constantly perpetuating this idea of honesty, authenticity, credibility, and empathy. Because if you if you're a guy who's a male chauvinist or you're a sexist. And say you're having this podcast is about women's rights. And I'm honest about that. I think women should be. I'm I'm not saying that I do. But if I think that women are lesser than or they should be barefoot and pregnant. And I say that I don't I'm not allowed on the podcast because there's no free dialogue. There's there's not a uh, there's not a, a real conversation happening with somebody who has ridiculous and absurd ideas. So you have to lie about what your position is so that you can be in a conversation that you don't deserve to be in, in the first place. And this is going on constantly, constantly. So, you know, it's, it's really a a measure of just people being dishonest. Um, Because if you're honest and you're honest about the fact, if you say you're racist or you're sexist, I'm not mad at you. I don't I don't care what the fuck you think about me. But then when you tell me you're a police officer and you're racist or you're a judge and you're racist, 
You can't hold that job because we know that will enter into your decisions and so on. And we're seeing this when we look at January 6th, we are seeing lawyers and cops and military and stuff. We're seeing this. We're seeing the videos of people dropping the M-bomb. You're a judge for 23 years and you've been you've been handing out prosecution to young black men for 23 years. And then we find out that you're racist as if we didn't know it in the first place. And then it's like, well, what about the 23 years that you have been handing out unfair decisions based on your own, uh, uh, your own personal perspective, police officers, but uh, the thin blue line, you know, back to, you're, we, how often do we hear videos of them on Facebook going the N words, this, the space, this, the women, this, da, 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 the gays or whatever. And then these people, the, the difference is, and let's be honest, like even in the context of anything we do, if you, you talk about all the millions of podcasts that there are, maybe 10% of them are good, right? If you talk about doctors, Maybe to the percentage of a good. Yeah. In everything, which we suck. Human beings pretty much suck. The difference is 10% of police officers are good and 90% of them suck. The difference is you give them guns and you give them autonomy over people's lives. Yeah. There's an absurdness to that. And to, to say that, maybe, uh, you know, maybe it puts a bullseye on me, but I'm, but I refuse to not be inauthentic for anybody because I've seen people being, being authentic and it, it, it's some, it's a path that makes you unhappy because you always are wearing this mask and trying to, to keep up this. I wake up every day. I put my feet on the floor with a general intention on being kind and civil and to learn every day and to be empathetic and not, not that doesn't mean I'm going to put up with somebody's bullshit, but that's what my intention is. And, I'm happy with me because of that, because I don't have to put on makeup every day and come out and be something I'm not. And if you don't like me, you don't like me. If you like me, that, that's fine too. I, you know, I'm, I'm my intention is to navigate righteousness. So I'm talking too much. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, know. <laughs> I love that. I'm really, really moved by that. It's um, okay. Um, actually, uh, Dante, if you don't mind me asking, um, uh, you know, uh, for me, my, like, when it came to the movement, my personal turning point was the Unite the Right movement. Yeah. What did you think when you started seeing people that you knew from the New York chapter of the Proud Boys, people who were like Gavin's insiders, mixing up with folks like Augustus Invictus or David Duke, Richard Spencer? <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing. Um, contrary to, to the surprise of, of white people, black people are not surprised about that. Yeah. Black people are not surprised about finding out that a judge, that a Supreme Court judge is saying the M bomb. We there's in this country, black people, you black people have to know what they, you got to know white shit to navigate America. Mm-hmm. White people do not have to know black shit to navigate America. You can operate in the in the in in your world with never having to know. Um, I don't are y'all anybody in the hip hop. Yes. Does anybody, you guys know who Big L is? Now, Big L is maybe one of the greatest lyricists of all time was killed in Harlem. But you don't have to know that. You know, you know that because it's obscure. But, uh, but I know Freebird. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's things that I just have to know to have a job. There's ways yeah. there's code switching. I have to know that I have to recognize that I'm a big dude and that people find me intimidating. And so I got to smile and I, I have to make you feel uncomfortable. I have to shrink myself because if I don't do that, the programming of how you perceive me, and I'm aware of that. And every black person is my sister worked corporate America, uh, 26 years for her to wear her natural hair, not perm her hair was revolutionary Yeah, to be able to go into a corporate office with her nat the hair that she was born with was revolutionary because it could mean you could lose your job that I, and we're not talking about that it was dirty or messy. Yeah, just, just her natural just her hair yeah. where it didn't look like it was perm looked like quote unquote white hair. And so this is something that black people deal with all the time. We operate. So when you say you, he's, there's no difference something in like- Gavin McGinnis and Richard Spencer. He says it out loud. And if he doesn't say, if he does, even when they, it, there's no way. And I don't know you personally, personally, but you can't tell me that you don't know white dudes who have said the end bomb. I knew too many guys in Proud Boys Atlanta who said the end bomb. <laughs> In the middle of Southwest Atlanta, it's like, I'll give you one better. You got, you have family members that say it. And I'm not asking you to agree or disagree, but I'm saying we all got the, everybody's got the old, the grandmother who's old school, because this has been the programming in this country. And so it's no, this, none of this is a surprise. Yeah. It's not a surprise. It was a surprise that Donald Trump got elected and, and that he appealed to racists and, and sexist tropes. That's I, I. I don't even understand how that would be a thing. You know, the fact that he, he was he was fucking a, a a porn star while he was married while his wife. That surprises me. How is that? Why would that surprise anybody? You know, it just. But it's like if you don't experience. I, I'll give you one better. You remember the 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 Karen that with the the guy who was the bird watcher and then you you watch her go he's 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 frightening me yeah so but that woman is the type of woman who would have gone to black lives matter protest yeah she would have considered herself an ally if this but she understood that her white tears could was it was a weapon and she could weaponize that against somebody who didn't even do anything to her, just said, yo, put your dog on the fucking leash. And it's how dare you as a black man tell me what to do. Now I'm going to I'm going to invite a gun into this. I'm going to call the police because that's what you do when you call the police on a black man. You're inviting a gun who traditionally we already know black people have a high level of where they, they're pushed and hit and, and thrown to the ground, taken out of their car and shot. On every level. Yeah. So that is what you're doing when you say, I'm going to call the police. Yeah. I don't call the police. I don't call the police either. Even <laughs> even when I've been seriously wronged, I don't call the police. You don't want to involve them. Well, they also pull their guns on on you. Well, that's because I'm schizophrenic. So yeah. they have this like fear, you know. Right. They, they, once, once the police find that out about you, they pull. I, I get like 10, 10 men on me with guns like. And it, and it's and they're twice your size. Yeah, and, it's just, and I'm like unarmed. You know what I mean? Like the and- absurdness of this, and it's just like at some point in time, you know, we need to have a free conversation, like a real. You can't like I don't even have these conversations because the conversation is abs- It's 
It's absurd. If you want to talk, but you, well, what about black on black? Eat a dick. It's like we already, and, and now we're, in, I mean, black people knew this all along, but we, but now we have studies that say this is not true and these yeah. tropes are still being espoused. It's just, it's, just, it's ridiculous. I worked for the phone company for, for 20, I'm going on my 28th year, still trying to retire. I have some of the dumbest dudes that I ever met make it a hundred thousand dollars and better. And every one of them think they're better than you. Yeah. Because these are white dudes. And I'm like, I've been on TV, done movies. I've, I've done, I've done theater. Doesn't matter. It's just my whiteness makes me, my male whiteness makes me better than you. And you too, as women, because it's my male whiteness. So, you know, nobody's surprised about black folk, at least black folks are not surprised about. This is what we're, we're talking about. This has been codified from the beginning. In 1962, they did a, sto- a, 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 um, a, a poll around the time of Nixon. It was like, and, and 72% of white people said there's no racial problem in 1962. <laughs> you know, the absurdness of that. So, you know, it, I don't think anybody, nobody was, I mean, you guys are surprised because you don't, you're not experienced. It, it's not a part of your everyday living. I, I'm, I just did a, I just did a headline at a club out in, uh, in Dewey Beach. And I had to work the next morning. I literally, in my mind, was like, go, you know, I really don't want to stay. I had, they gave me a hotel room because I stayed in the next one. But I didn't want to leave after the show because I didn't want to drive yeah. from Delaware back in the middle of the night the witching hour where the belief is that I'm drug trafficking. Yeah. So now I get pulled over and somebody strips my car and they bring the, uh, uh, so now I got to wait till four o'clock in the morning till the sun comes up so I can travel with the people at work from Delaware to come in. It, but that's a thought. That's always a thought that's in the back of my mind. <laughs> oh, this is actually, you know, this is amazing. Uh, and uh no actually thank you so much dante for being so like just open about everything i really appreciate it yeah it's uh you know i mean the, the proud boys just gave a place it 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 gave a place for people to be that to mm-hmm. be what they were in the first place mm-hmm. yeah it didn't yeah. it didn't create no, people no no no, no. Yeah. i mean if you don't mind me volunteering just like i didn't join the proud boys to try to become who oh, I, I always thought i wanted to be it was like I always knew who I was, and I, I always knew that I was a conservative Republican, but not in the sense of, you know, your Newt Gingrich's or, you know, more say Dwight Eisenhower, you know, somebody who actually believed in, you know, you love your country, you take care of people who need your help, you know, you, you value your community, you want less government encroachment on your rights, well, now here's the thing, even about the, you know this, the, the supposed the so-called conservative movement. So, if you know the history of this country, I don't know. Are you familiar with the Homestead Act or yes. the Home Act? Yes. So that is government encroachment. Mm-hmm. When immigrants came here, they gave you prop, gave white men property and money so that they could, which is the 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 root of of generational wealth. 
So it's what's interesting is even when you talk about the social, social security, everybody's trying to end social security. Black people didn't have access to social security until after the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King. And the only reason why they got the, the, the got part became part of the social, the social security was because 11 major cities were on fire from the police brutality. And Kennedy met with Martin Luther King and said, how can we get people back to work? The cities are on fire because here's what people don't, the, the machine of getting up, going to work. I mean, it, it, you know, I use a, a, an analogy. It's like, if you think about every morning, every Monday morning, how many bacon, egg and sandwiches do they sell every morning? <laughs> now, if people don't go to work, they, they don't sell bacon yeah. and egg sandwiches. Like pork bellies is is a is is they're it's traded on the market. Yeah, orange juice is traded on the market. So if people don't get up and and they're not on the rat wheel going to work every day, then the millionaires and billionaires they don't make money. Yeah. So the importance of so this is why things change. This is why we have Black Lives Matter in, on on Fifth Avenue. It's because. Cities were on fire. It wasn't because of people, because of the, the morality of it. It was that the cities was on fire. We need to give people something to quell them so they go back to work. And that's always been the case. The boycott, bus boycott, and it's the same thing over and over again. So even when you say the conservative movement, the conservative movement was, is only conservative when it was time to give Black treat black people like citizens. Then everybody was like, "No, less government, smaller government." It wasn't smaller government when you were giving you were giving land to to immigrants, stealing land from Native Americans, and 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 not allowing black people to to to, to own property and all it, all of that. So even when you look at like you know like it, it's funny because I, I look at even the pre you look at the the present uh, the the present climate like so. Liz Cheney is pushing the January 6th thing. And she's this and everybody's well, Liz Cheney is setting up for a presidential run. What she's doing is she's hoping that if the, the Trump era, the MAGA era falls apart, she is the next person in line to run for president. The Republican Party, will, if it ever goes back to normal, she has gambled the long hustle that she will... But Liz Cheney voted with Donald Trump on everything he did. She's a warmonger, but now she's a she's a she's a uh, uh, she's literally a um you know she's a hero now because she told the truth. I watch uh, uh what's the guy on uh, Morning Joe? Uh, Ch Chuck Scott was a dude who advocated Nixon's principles. The brown shirts, yeah. the hippies, the beat up. You know, we're, we're talking about police brutality. But, so all of these Republicans who call themselves conservatives, they have always been down with this racist bullshit. It just wasn't overt. And so to think it was what you perceive it as, and I'm not saying you perceived it like, but this is the way you sell it when it's it's already steeped in racism, mm -hmm. it's steeped in sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia. It's always has been. And it's, well, I'm so sleep. No, it, that's not what it is. It's maintaining people in power who are already in power. So, you know, you can't, you know, you watch the, all these, all these Republicans now that now have left the party because it's too, oh, it was too, it's too bad now. It yeah. wasn't bad when Nixon 
It wasn't bad when yeah. um right uh, Dwight Eisenhower said, uh, "When I hire a nigger, I want people to know that he's a nigger." Mm. Lincoln said, "I am not. I never see black people in an equal position of white males." In this, I will end slavery if it means keeping the union together. I will continue slavery if it is. So there's no morality in this in the conservative. Never has, never will be. It's a predominantly white racist party and everybody. And if even if you're not actively uh, espousing these point of views, you are complicit in 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 the, the G, even the GI Bill. We're talking about World War One, World War Two, Korean War. We have guys, black dudes, signed up for, for to to get schooling and to get uh to get a mortgage. Yeah, eighty five percent of them never got mortgages, never got school. Yeah. So with it's just this idea of this. Oh, well, I'm less government. Yeah, less government now. You know, <laughs> you even the the, the brother, brother when you look at the old black and white films of people on soup lines during after the. After the fall of Wall Street, it was, brother, can you spare a dime? And these are all hard guys who are looking for work and they're having a rough time. Then when the same thing happened, the unemployment, unemployment of blacks and black people have always been double that of any white unemployment ever. And when they were, when you, then all of a sudden it was welfare queens with Ronald Reagan. With welfare, Ronald Reagan, biggest drug dealer in the history. Fuck yeah. Nikki Barnes. Fuck Frank Midney. Um, uh, uh, American gangster. That dude brought more drugs in through Blondone and the Sandinistas than any other person in the history of this country. But you lock up the corner, dude. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just the abs- the the blatant absurdity, absurdity bags, you know? of 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 just not even understand the historical reference of what's going on. I mean, prisons at this point are just slavery continued. It, I mean, absolutely. But we talk about, you know, we're talking about before, during the time of Jim Crow, you're talking about convict, convict leasing. And convict leasing is oh, yeah, actually, convict leasing is, convict leasing is worth what, so if, if people don't know what convict leasing is, convict leasing is where you would, people would go to jail for vagrancy laws. They created laws to lock up black folks. And then they took those people and you could lend them out for work. Yeah. At plantations. The difference was that at least if you were a, which is, Worse than slavery, because if you rent a car from from You're from orbit, well, the same way you dra- you 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 run up curves, you because dra- you don't own it. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean it's a terrible point. it is a It's the truth. For, yeah. You you treat a rent a car like crap. Yeah. Whereas if you own the slave, you treat the slave better because you want to get more work out of it. So convict leasing was worse than slavery. I think so too. Yeah. It's when you codify this stuff about this layers of this, and I'm, I'm 55 years old. My dad was born in 1920. My dad grew up in Jim Crow during Jim Crow, 16 brothers and sisters. So it's like what you're, you're literally talking about something just, and you get people, well, slavery was a long time ago. I mean, we just, we're just celebrating Juneteenth, which the is time like this year. Really. Black people were free. No, we said we could free them, but we ain't going to, we don't have to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> like the absurdness of this. And then 
and no offense to you, but when you go, well, I'm a conservative. Yeah, fuck. It's okay. Study, study the, 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 the history of the conservative movement. The conservative movement were slave owners. But so were the Democrats. The difference. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's where we get stuck. That's yeah. Where, that's where I get stuck all the time, yeah. where I'm like, all, you know, like the Democrats are just so guilty too. Yeah, actually, I have to ask you, Dante. We, uh, I mean, we're discussing history. Um, mm. Do you remember when JFK referred to Africa as a boogie republic? Yes. There we go. Yeah. Or, or who authorized wiretap on Martin Luther King? Well, what you call CIA? So, <laughs> so. But who was, signed off on that? Well, RF, Robert F. Robert Kennedy. Kennedy. So, yeah. I mean, you with with you know. So when you when you even when you have Trump and Trump says, "I don't trust the FBI," black people are going, "Neither would do, well, do we." We you, did you. You murdered the Black Panthers. You infiltrated yeah. and murdered the Black Panthers, the CIA, FBI, Martin Luther King. Like, so, at, you know, you know what I'm saying? At yeah. what point do we go, you know, so you, you live in this and you, you still have to, you know, you still have to find the cracks to, to, to find success. And, so, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. You know, I'm doing great. I'm an actor. I'm a podcast. I'm a comic. I'm, you know, um, I have I have a great job. I go, but that is despite what is going on, not because of the America. It's it's despite that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's slipping between the cracks. The first black millionaire, Madam C. J. Walker, was she was actually the second because she stole it from somebody, but she sold black hair care products. And the reason why she was able to become a millionaire is because. White people didn't know that black people need black hair care products. Yeah, totally. So it was a crack in the it was a crack in the <laughs> ground that nobody knew of where they were able to make money off yes. of it. So you know you, it's just it's shit. Mm -hmm. It's really shit. And then you you have people working against their own interests. You know when you have fifty two percent of women vote for Trump, and then we're upset because of Roe v versus Wade. Yeah, it Sense, yeah. It's like what? What? What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> and yeah, that was actually another reason I just kind of gave up on conservatism and the way that these right wingers would were reacting to Roe v. Wade. The the you know the reaction was like it was like a football game. Yeah, these people were gloating about it, and it's like you know these people, <laughs> you people are sickening. It's you know you're happiest when others are in pain. Yeah, I I saw this guy. There's this guy. I uh, forget the name of the, the YouTube channel, but the guy he goes to Trump rallies and he goes, listen up. He goes, well, you, 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 well you're pro-choice. He's a priest. You're pro-choice. He goes, yeah. Well, um, um, didn't uh, you're pro-life. You're pro-life. Yes. Well, didn't Noah kill everybody on the earth? And, and at the very least, if you care about children in the womb he should have at least made a place for all, pro, all all i mean i don't believe any of it anyway i'm an atheist agnostic but even if you do believe it then shouldn't he have made a place for all pregnant women if you really care about the child in the womb why didn't Noah save all the pregnant women those <laughs> those those are like it's just the absurd lack of logic and the, the dumbification of americans and the comfort in which we're stupid People, Americans are stupid and don't understand basic fundamental logic. But, but Joe Biden's not president. He's a he's a you know the Q, they go he's a he's a clone. He's a replica. <laughs> Donald Trump is really the president. Well then, so Donald Trump's responsible for gas prices. Then 
Oh no no no! <laughs> like yeah, totally. just the absurdness <laughs> of this, the contradiction and the stupidity, and the fact that you go, you know, you have people espousing this where it's literally a Google away, but it's intentional stupidity because I'm comfortable with where I am, how things are, and I want I want to maintain my power by any means necessary, and I don't care what how I have to contort my truth and my understanding on any level. It's a complete lack of imagination to me, like complete lack. Um, But that you get a high from power, you get a a high from violence, but it's people get mixed up and think that's happiness. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, it's not happiness. It's 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 a high. It is a high. (laughs) Yeah. Endorphins and serotonin. And that's not happiness. Yeah. Yeah, even the the Proud Boys, it was a, it was a belonging because I went to a couple of uh, I actually went to a couple of the greets early on. They had the meet and greets. Yeah, and the Sarahs, the, the the just uh, there was a lot of dudes who was just in, just did, had no direction and they just wanted to belong to something. Yeah, which is the same thing that we say about gang culture with the Bloods and the, it's the same thing. I think that's part of the way that I helped convince David to leave was like I helped him realize that there were more things to belong to than just oh, sure, sure. You know, like I was like, you, you know, you can come to New York. It's, I, like I think I'm a big re- part of the reason you moved to New York, and like, yeah, we'll discuss that at the end. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we, we got to read some copy. We got to read some copy really quick. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax-deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to donate in a way that costs nothing to you, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash Amazon and register RFB as your Amazon Smile charity. Every time you shop, a portion of your purchase benefits Radio Free Brooklyn. If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up. Yeah, that's what they are. I'm sorry. You can <laughs> sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. It's okay. Uh, well, it's just, um, actually, I want to say, as I was just a frequent listener to this show, this is honestly the best episode that has been on ever. Thank you, Dante, for coming well, around well, and just. One, you know, it was, it's kind of like when you spanked uh, Gavin McGinnis of that old welfare queen. Oh, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved watching that. Not oh, because yeah. I, I I learned to dislike Gavin because... Is that on... Is that... It, it's around. Yeah. It's around. Um, wow. You know, because my opinion on Gavin is that he's a, a snake oil salesman who, you know, gets to sit in his pool in Larchmont. Yeah. You know, while people who believed in him are sitting in jail waiting to be sentenced... And some of them, like the guys who got in the fight at the Republican Club, yeah, they're in prison for extended sentences. Are they really? How long? Yeah, are they, for? they got like ten years for brawling. Really? Yeah, you know, because it was like a gang fight. You know, I mean, there yeah. may be a possible RICO suit. I mean, that's well, what, it's um, interesting because I don't, I honestly, uh, and Gavin, I actually thought it was a joke. 
Yeah. Like he really thought it was a joke. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, he he thought it was a joke and then when it got out of hand he saw dollar signs. He saw a way yeah. to earn money from it and he was but I, I don't think he really when in the inception of it, I, I and that's just you know, I mean, and I I have no qualms about shitting on Gavis if, if it, it you know, if it's appropriate. But he absolutely thought it was a joke and it was just people were taking it. One of the things that I learned about that is that um, when you talk to people who are impressionable and people are looking, you have to not only speak in terms of what your truth is, but you have to speak in terms of how people can take what you say and twist it Mm -hmm. for their own benefit. So you you have to make it in a way that there is no, and one of the things that I take blame for is even though I talked about empathy, I should have been saying that so much more often that they couldn't push it aside. Yeah, that it it was it should have been you know it should have been coming out of my mouth so much that it would have been obvious that somebody's not following all three of the principles that I was espousing at that mm-hmm. time, and I didn't do that. So when I did, which is interesting, when I did the um. The uh, This American Life interview, the woman came to, she she interviewed me first time for seven hours, second time for four hours, right? Because she had a, she had an actual agenda about how she perceived me. And I think what initially what she thought was that I was kind of this self-hating black dude. And I could see by the questions she was asking where it was, she was trying to create that narrative, but I just wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't let her box me in like that. And then it was like, well, um, I had all these young dudes who was who were listening to my podcast and listening to me, and they were calling me the Pope of the Pope of the Proud Boys. I remember that I donated to your campaign, she, right? And yeah. they and they were like, uh, you know, she was trying to say, well, I just liked, I was ego tripping, and I was like, I. I've always had dudes listening to me. I've never been a, a guy who just was uh, where people didn't listen to what I had to say because, of, because uh, you know, when you speak truth, your words have gravity. And when you speak truth and there's action behind your words, your words have even more gravity. It's, it's when there is a light between the truth and your credibility is when you lose. Your words don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And so she was trying to say, well, you know, didn't you kind of like that the old these guys? I was like, I, I don't like I don't care that a bunch of I'm, I'm telling the truth. If you feel as though you should, you, you, you if you like what I'm saying, it's fine. And if you don't like what I'm saying and you want to debate me and show me where I'm wrong, because once you show me I'm wrong, I'm better for that. But I've anything that comes in my mouth out of my mouth, I've thought about it twelve different ways this Sunday before I come because you understand one thing I learned about this the Proud Boy thing was that I need to be very intentful about what comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. You know. By the way, uh we uh we kind of broke the whole no wanks thing. Uh that's not uh well, you know, just to just to um you know, now we're going to explain the origins of permission. So if you want to like build up on this, uh, oh, the, the no wanks. Thing. Yeah. The no wanks thing, uh, you know, just to explain, I mean, so I came on, I now I'm much older than the guys who, who were, you know, who came. So what I found was that 
I I came on the show and I said to Gav and I said, I am no longer watching porn and I'm no longer masturbating to porn. And the my point was because it it desensitizes you and it creates a hyper uh expectation about how you perceive women. And if sex itself is an intimate thing, the it's like if, when you watch porn, there's there's a behind the ball camera. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a under the glass, like in real intimacy between two people. That those elements are not there, and so you have you have so many guys, and this is a, you, you can Google this. There's so many young guys who have erectile dysfunction because they're masturbating and they're watching porn, and then when they get with a real Absolutely. woman, they you know somebody who there's this kind of social and intimate connection yeah they they don't have a ball behind the ball camera there's this stimulus i mean if you just think about the cut takes in porn it's just you hear you there there's this the dick in the pussy is this is that you know what i'm saying so it's unrealistic and my point was i'm not going to do this anymore because i find that it desensitizes me to real physical and personal and intimate content and he was like well oh i'll uh he goes, really? He goes, yeah, I'm going to, I would try. He said, let's go for a month. He says, let's go for a month. I go, um, let's go for a year. He goes, let's go for a month. And and that's how the whole no wanks thing yeah. ended up. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, you know, I hate bleeding because, um, you know, this is your show, but we do have like two minutes yeah, left. Yeah, we have two minutes left. But yeah, I just yeah, want to say so thank you for spanking me. I've been honored to shake your hand, no, no, sir. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. thank you so much. This has been such an honor to have you on the show. Thank and you, you. Thank you. I had really so much insightful. And I also want to give a shout out to um, my friend and, you know, someone's a counselor in this, Daryl Lamont Jenkins. I'm really sorry you weren't able to make it. Hopefully you can come on a future episode. Um, your efforts and your mission to track and monitor and remove the more shadowy figures of the of the movement out of you know put them to the light um is something that that should be commended thank you and just one last thing if we can close the show on this i know i have one minute yeah i want to thank you personally for being such a positive influence and pulling me out of the movement when the time was right. And it was, it, there was that element of, shall I say, there was that ambivalence after the Unite the Right thing and you confronted me and we had, we had our first real like heart to heart about that. I mean, there was yeah. plenty of salacious talk, but then that it was like, look, I care about you. I'm really I don't want to see you become bad. Leaving. I'm really proud of you. for leaving. And I, I just want you to know, I love you and I will love you forever for that. Thank you. No I'm matter really, what happens. I'm really proud of you, David. Mm-hmm. They, all right. So, thank you. Uh, this has been Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.